everybody, and welcome in. It is time for Three Guys Before the Game, episode 194. And our special guest, Dr. Clay Marsh, the czar of the coronavirus here in the state of West Virginia. That, plus your questions and comments in the studio with the Dean, Hoppy Kirchival, and the Senator, Brad Howe. Three Guys Before the Game is brought to us by Comax Business Systems, your full-service Konica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com and by Burdette Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at BurdetteCamping.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. As I said, this is episode 194, and in the previous 193 episodes, we have talked with sports people or talk specifically about sports, but obviously these are extremely different times. And so we will go off the chart and we will bring in Dr. Clay Marsh, who has been named as the person to head up West Virginia's battle against the coronavirus. And uh, some questions for uh, Dr. Marsh to get a feel as to where we're going. And obviously this has a massive impact as well as far as people getting together in regard to sports. We'll touch on that as well. Dr. Marsh, thanks so much for being with us. We do certainly appreciate your time. Hi, Tony. It's great. And please call me Clay. All right. So, Clay, we've been talking about you. We've heralded you on our last episode, 193, which you may have missed because you might be a little bit busy as the all-time <laughs> – right, Senator? We, we, we call them all-time great, all-time greatest five-star commitment. Yeah, I was just going to say you tagged the five-star on there as well. He's so you five. said Gordon Gee, best recruit he's had, Dr. Marsh. I would say so. I would well, say so. The so good news is that doesn't reflect – doesn't reflect my athletic ability. So. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it varies. We all have to have our. You know, Hugs always says, <laughs> "Yeah, Hugs, if Hugs was coaching you up, he'd say, Clay, show me what you can do. Don't show me what you can can't, can't do.' So in this case, we're not asking you to shoot. <laughs> we're asking you to to look over this uh, this uh, obviously this horrific situation. So we want to kind of uh, get a feel from you as this battle. Um, goes on we record here on thursday afternoon and this is extremely fluid as everyone knows but if you could can you kind of give us an overview as we proceed as to where we stand right now in this battle here within the state of west virginia against the virus yeah thanks tony it's uh good to be with you and 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 as always hoppy who is a old and dear friend of our families and, and brad you too you know, I think that that we should look at where we are today in West Virginia with cautious optimism. We have done the right things as a state. We know that doing the stay-at-home order is very important. You know, having our kids not be in school together, even though we obviously want to support our children and want to educate our children and, and, and to give them that, that opportunity to get ahead, but right now, the, the challenge with the novel coronavirus or COVID-19 is it spreads so rapidly person to person. And, and we know by many uh, prediction models, and, and including the ones that were used in the White House briefing over the last few days um, from the University of Washington, that every day that we keep doing what we're doing, staying at home, staying socially distanced from each other six feet. And I'll, I'll mention here at the end why that's very important. And, and the other thing is that if we go out and we touch anything, we should either use san, hand sanitizer right away or we should make sure that we wash our hands really well with soap and water for 20 seconds 
between our fingers and our and our thumbs and around our wrists because we know that that's that can kill the novel coronavirus that can live on uh, cardboard for up to 24 hours, at least in a laboratory setting, and can live on plastic and stainless steel for up to three days. So we know that our own ability to protect ourselves is staying away from each other. The virus can spread through droplets that are even generated through speech or clearing up the throat, but six feet distance seems to be safe. Um, and so if we keep our six feet distance, if we wash our hands well, and we don't introduce the virus through our mouth, our nose, or our eyes, then we break the chain of compounding that the virus really thrives on, which is person-to-person spread. Clay, this is a sports show, although we focused on this story as well, and you've played sports, so let's belabor a sports analogy, and you know I've done this some too. And and sure. where are we in, in, the, in the four quarters here? Where are we, and what's the score in West Virginia? Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I think in the United States, we're in the second quarter, at the early part of the second quarter. I think in West Virginia, we're, we're more than halfway through the first quarter. Uh, but this is a long game, and, and Hoppy and I have talked about this a lot. You know, the, the four ways this ends, I think, is number one, we get a vaccine. And although there's many, many people that are working very diligently to create that, you know, I, I think a realistic view is at the very earliest six to eight to 10 months and maybe as much as you know 12 to 18 months for a vaccine. Uh, the second way we could do it is that enough people have infection and get better that we develop what's called herd immunity. So these are people that can't any longer be infected that serve as kind of firewalls for that person-to-person amplification step that the virus really thrives on. But that means 60 to 80% of the population have to be immune, which even though people can be very less symptomatic or, or even asymptomatic having the virus, we know that that is going to take a while to get. Number three is we get drugs that fight the virus, that allow us to survive with the virus, and, and those are, are being rapidly evaluated. And the fourth is that the virus could mutate, and it's mutating some as, as people are looking at it, to where it either is not nearly as infective for us or it uh, doesn't cause the, you know, the ability, it doesn't jump as quick and, and is not as infectable. So I'd say United States, second quarter, parts of Europe, halftime, um, West Virginia, mid uh, first quarter. And we know that this acute phase is not the only phase for the virus. So we know in, in Hong Kong, when people start to come back together again, that there is still potential problems. So, so we, we have a few phases of this. Clay, I know you and your colleagues are really appreciative of some of the local companies that have stepped up to help provide some equipment, namely Daniel's Men's Store and Making Masks. Mylan just had a big delivery as well. How's the equipment gathering going for other hospitals around the state? Well, we're really working hard. You know, the, the, real, the great work of our citizens and, and, the, and of our, you know, governor and, and our uh, executive branch uh, and all government, you know, leadership has been phenomenal in buying us more time. So the stay-at-home order, the, the, the seriousness and the cooperation of people to keep their social distance and to do the things that we are helping them learn that they have power to stop the virus spread has been really effective. But just like is true around the United States, 
we know that the use of, of what's called personal protective equipment, which are masks and gloves and gowns and, and, and the equipment that can help people be safe if you're taking care of, of, of patients with COVID-19, is really at a, at a um, lack throughout. And, and really the reason, as I understand it, is because much of the personal protective equipment was made in China. And when China became disrupted because they had the virus start there in Wuhan, then it really started to interrupt the manufacturing supply. And because we were so reliant on supply chain from other countries that we source and get just in time for healthcare so we don't have big inventories, we all got caught short. So I think that the work of the companies in West Virginia, you know, to help us be strong again, to start producing what we need to be self-reliant is really inspiring to all of us. And we believe this could be a role that West Virginia could take for the rest of the country, you know, as this uh, continues to evolve. We're talking with uh, Dr. Clay Marsh on the coronavirus. So West Virginia has been hanging at about 4% as far as positive tests. And you mentioned the uh, University of Washington uh, numbers that they've generated do you see the 4% continuing in West Virginia, or do you see a spike above that 4%? Yeah, I think that it's a great question. And, and these kind of events, which an author named Nassim Salab termed a black swan event, which are, are events that are rare but very powerful, like 9-11, like the Great Depression, etc., there's three characteristics of them. First of all, you know they're going to happen, but you can't predict when they're going to happen or what they're going to be. The negative ones occur immediately and change things. The positive ones unfold over time. The second one is if you think you can predict what's going to happen in them, then you're part of the problem, not part of the solution, because they're because everything's so interdependent that things are changing dramatically. And these kind of events are massive stresses on the foundation of everything we know. And the third thing is that the world always takes jumps and change after these. So, so these are transformational change events, and, uh, and they're events of tremendous, immense opportunity. So what I would say, if you're a betting person, then nobody gets a free ride from this. Our citizens are doing an amazing job, and, and we're so grateful to them. But we know that we are going to see more cases, no matter what we do. You know, we have two people that have died from this so far, and we know that we will have more. We obviously want to minimize that, and we don't want to be complacent, but we also understand that we have a great power. And so as we keep doing the right stuff and we hold ourselves and others responsible and we protect ourselves and our families, then we protect everybody. We protect the healthcare workers, the first responders. And so I'm, I'm very optimistic that we will come out of this in a very good way comparatively to other places in our country, the way we're going. It's a wonderful example of the community that West Virginia has, but I'm also not naive to know that we're also going to have rocky times, and the projection is that we're going to have our peak later than other people with what we're doing, and if we keep doing what we're doing and even doubling down, we have a chance to get out of this with much less disruption and much less problem than I think any other state in our country. But that future is to be written by the behaviors and, uh, and the activities that we 
you know, keep doing or don't do over the next several months. Clay, as you said, this is not only a medical issue, it's a human behavior issue. And people are being asked to change their lives for an undetermined period of time. Probably not now, but at some point in the future, it'll be be a fascinating study to see how we did respond. And what do you think it's going to show? I think, Hoppy, it's, you know, one of the, the issues about these kind of events that really requires you to get out of our, your pattern thinking. You know, uh, I've read and it's clear to me that we form our patterns based on previous experiences. So we assume we can predict a, an event and an outcome because we have dealt with those events and outcomes before. And that's what training is in medical care or, or you know, uh, muscle memory in sports or whatever. But when you're faced with something that's really different, it's different than anything we've ever seen before, then it really does push us and, and, and make us need to stretch our thinking. So instead of just relying on previous patterns, we learn from what we're seeing. And I think that getting to the position where we are creating a very open line of communication, we want to be incredibly transparent with our with the citizens here and and one thing I've done personally is I'm out on Twitter more than I've ever been because I want to make sure if people ask questions, and then we can answer them in real time as much as possible. But I think that hindsight being 2020, the key for us right now is to not create a preset sort of decision tree and, and you know, here's what's going to happen, here's what we're going to do, but be more flexible and more open and look at this as a really, you know, transformational growth opportunity and learning opportunity and get the kind of people around who look at what's happening and continue to adjust and modify uh, much as you see with entrepreneurs and, and other creative people. Clay, you mentioned earlier about the, the virus potentially living on cardboard for some period of time there. Is it accurate, two-part question here, is it accurate to say that the likelihood of contracting the virus from cardboard is low? And then two, what advice would you give people as they continue to receive packages and or take out food from restaurants? Yes, I, so I, I'd say yes. The, the likelihood of getting infected is low. There's a study in a laboratory at Johns Hopkins University that was published in the New England Journal of Medicine that basically just looked at surface survival of the virus. And it turns out, as I understand it, the virus can kind of hibernate. It goes into kind of a suspended animation. So it has a coat that protects it, but it's really kind of dead while it's sitting around. So it can last for a longer period of time than if it was alive. But it also becomes very susceptible to just like soap and water. So, you know, everybody's trying to get Clorox wipes and whatever other disinfectant, but really soap and water or a one to 10 bleach solution is fine. And and what we would recommend and, and what I do personally is if I carry something in and I'm going, you know, if I want to open it, I try to put it somewhere where I can, you know, I can clean afterwards and, and I will either, you know, wait to open it for a little bit or I'll open it and make sure that it is, it's a place where, you know, I can then get rid of the box and to I have uh, my garage attached, but get rid of the box and then go wash my hands really well. You know, if it's uh, if you're not sure about the box and and you're really concerned, you can take just a dilute bleach solution or even some soap and water and just take a you know a, a paper towel and just run it over there. And that's another way that you can 
make you know more certain if it makes you uncomfortable. Um, but you definitely want to go wash your hands really well afterwards, and you want to be really cognizant that you do not want to touch your mouth, your nose, your eyes. And if you're going to, if you're going to eat something with your hands, which is fine, don't share it. And wash your hands before you're going to do anything around your face. And it's really hard for us. There's just a recent study that said average person touches their face 25 times an hour. I've read up to 50 times an hour. So we're wow. so conditioned to touch our face. Our face itches, you know. And and it's important if you're going if you're going to touch your face, use a barrier. You know, pick up a Kleenex or something else. Don't use a reused handkerchief. Use something that's fresh. And, and, it, and if you're going to touch your face, like you're going to eat something with your hands, which is fine, then wash your hands before you do that. And I think if we get into that discipline, stay six feet away from people, wash our hands frequently, and don't touch our face, our nose, our mouth, um, or our eyes, then we're going to be generally very protected against getting the virus. A couple quick questions here for you. You gave a great answer just a moment ago as far as not being able to detect when this will peak, when it will come back, because there are just so many things in play. All right. With all of that yes. being said, and it was well stated, obviously as a sports show, people are wondering about sports. They're wondering about Mountaineer football. They're thinking about it. Realistically, how would you approach that right now? What are you, and I know that they're listening to you as well at uh, college, at WVU, among others here in the state, how are you guiding them right now, knowing what you know? Well, what I would say is that, again, as time continues, then we will have better abilities to understand where we are. So, for instance, if, if we are able to, there's a new test that detects immunity to this virus that is now just got FDA approved. So if we find out that a whole bunch of people have actually been infected with the virus and they're immune, that changes some things. You know, it's, it's also interesting, I didn't point out, but the other symptom that is very much makes you think you might have the virus is a loss of smell. And the virus seems to have a predilection for some of the, the nerves that help us with smell. So that was kind of an aside. But, but I would say what I would tell Gordon Gee or what I would tell Jerry Gilbert or Neil Brown or Nikki Izzo uh, Brown or, uh, or uh, I would tell Shane. Bob Huggins or whoever, yeah. Shane, tell Shane, is that we should hope and be optimistic that this will pass and we will come up with something that will advance things. You know, a new drug would be, to me, the one that is perhaps coming first and a vaccine will be the one that would be the most long-term effective. But as long as we don't feel like it's safe to have people gather or to have athletes gather to practice and to, and to, you know, to be together, then we would always choose the side of health. And, you know, and, and, and as I, as the governor asked us the other day um, about the safety of having the election, we did not think it was in the best interest of the health of our citizens to gather at a polling place to touch things that other people have touched and, and to be close to people as they enter and exit. And I would say the same thing. You know, the health um, benefit, the health concerns of the people that are involved, these are our people. These are our family and our community. And we want to make sure that we're given the best health advice. And obviously, 
I'm going to lean on the conservative side of the coin. If if we don't know and if we're concerned, then I would say better not than better to do. But this is still a ways away. And, you know, if you ask uh, a month ago or a month and a half ago, would the world have stopped because of a virus that came from a bat in China? And you would go like, there's no way. And look at what happened. So, so I really do believe, as I said before, that anticipating and predicting is problematic during this particular event. And we should be very um, uh, uh, focused and, and learning from what's going on. But we should be open-minded. And as soon as it's safe, we know how much people love sports. I love sports. I love to see WVU. I love to, to be part of that. It's so exciting. The whole community, the whole state gets together, you know, around this at the universities, including Marshall. And, and we want to provide that, but we want to provide it safely. And if we don't feel it's safe, then our recommendation will 100% of the time be not yet. Let's wait. And let's continue to monitor. And as soon as it is safe, well, let's get back to it, you know. And, and we want people to be able to go outside and be together. I mean, from a health standpoint, it's crazy that I'm telling people to stay apart to stay in their home. I, I love people out exercising, being in nature. I mean, that's really good for your soul. But right now, it's too good for the virus. And we want to, to temporarily at least focus on what we can do to break that chain of the virus spread and flatten the curve. Absolutely. All right, real quick here, we'll let you go. We have one text question. They wanted to know, what was your best sport and what was your worst sport? Wow. Well, if you ask other people, they may say no best sport. But <laughs> I probably, I, I really love playing basketball. So, and, and I was a facilitator, which I think maybe has followed me. So I was a passer more than a shooter, although I did enjoy shooting every once in a while. My, my worst sport... Um, was probably running. I was, I'm, I'm not a real fast guy. So I'm an athlete that people would have de- described as a smart athlete versus a talented athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you played in the state yeah. tournament, right? At Charleston, you played in the state yeah, tournament. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did against Logan. And as I remember, we had the Cinderella season and, uh, and had uh, just an even record. And we were all, you know, it's at the Civic Center in Charleston. We had the home crowd. And we absolutely got plastered by Logan, so they were so good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, well. well, listen, uh, your time is precious, so we really appreciate you spending time with us. We wish you the best, and obviously Hoppy and the rest will be following closely, and we'll be checking in with you. And any information you need to get out, just let us know. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for all you're doing. You bet. Well. Thank Thanks, you. Clay. There he is, Clay Marsh, the man who's overseen West Virginia's battle against the coronavirus. And – as, as as eloquently as you can put it, man, it's just as we all know, this is this is as fluid as it gets, and you just can't look ahead. Tony, he is a, and I've I've known him for years. Obviously, I knew his dad, uh, Don Marshall, really well, and I've gotten to know him a lot better during this ordeal. And I've talked to him dozens of times. And a couple of things stand out. One is clearly he's a he's a critical thinker. He can think on multiple levels, which is absolutely important when you're dealing with a crisis like this. Number one, number two is his his advice is sound and based on research he's constantly sending me articles he's constantly gathering information and data to make the best possible decision which is important because the situation continues to evolve number three is of all the times i have talked to him i'm I'm talking on the air off the air texting phone calls he's the same i've never called him that he said oh my gosh this is I, i can't take another he is his temperament 
bread is always the same, which I think is very reassuring during these times. Sure, almost essential during these yes, times, yes. right? I mean, that probably is, if you're looking for characteristics, the critical thinker part is huge, but I think when you're public-facing, the ability to be calm and rational, I think, is absolutely critical in these times. Yeah. You know, I oftentimes use this analogy when we talk about young sportscasters uh, that are doing play-by-play and things like that, and I said they, you know, we talk about this concept of being the airplane captain. So if you're in a situation and you're on a plane and it starts to get bumpy, what you look for as a passenger is a voice of calm that comes over and says, well, ladies and gentlemen, obviously we're getting into some bumpy air. (laughs) Yeah, We're going to try to do the best we can to uh, move out of this. So we'll drop down a little bit and we'll smooth things out. Or or (laughs) how would it feel if the pilot came on and went like, oh, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) now which do you want? So my man here, Clay, Clay is Sully, right? Clay's the guy that's landing the plane in the Hudson River going like, Ladies and gentlemen, maybe a little bit of a pop as we land here. That's what you got to have. You don't need stupid. You don't need crazy. You don't need fanatical. You need a voice of reason. And not only that, he is, he, if you listen to some of the things he said in this interview and others, he's talking about how that West, he talks about the power, the power. And what he means by that is there is a tendency during these things to feel what? powerless. Mm-hmm. These things are going on. There's nothing I can do about it. He's saying, no, each individual has the power to take care of themselves, take care of their families, practice the good hygiene, do the things that not only protect your family, but when more people do it, the better West Virginia will do in this ordeal. So he sees it as empowering rather than being powerless, yep. which is his whole positive thinking. Not not this ridiculous positivity where everything is good, but a way to approach it in a positive way. Kirchhoff just taking a shot at ridiculous positivity, right? I mean, well, I don't like re- that. Re- yeah, I don't like Everything's that. good. You know, at some point, at some point, we are going to get back together. Yeah. And families right now can be together. Yeah. What better way to spend some time than in an RV? Our good <laughs> friends, right? They've got, the, they've got the three guys before the game special. I'm talking about the Burdett Camping Center, the only RV dealer in the state of West Virginia that offers the warranty forever. You can visit them at BurdettCamping.com, and they do have a three-guy special going on right now, 177BH Wildwood Camper for just 10 9 you can visit them, take a look at that and all of their products by going to BurdetteCamping.com, located in Winfield. Name the brand they've got at Puma, Wildwood, Rockwood, Coachman, and any other brand, Burdette Camping Center, with the warranty forever pledge. Got some good tax questions here, and uh, we'll, we'll migrate through some of these. Some of these, uh, these I'm not giving to these questions. I'm not, I have not given these questions to these guys in advance. So some of them are going to catch you here. That's ready, fine. ready to go. That's Hi guys, John from Minneapolis. Oh, <laughs> I'm curious to learn what college and professional teams, football, basketball that you supported when you grew up, I think Hoppy's the only native West Virginian. So just wondering Hoppy, your favorite football team growing up was Washington Redskins. And um, any other teams that you followed closely growing up? Washington Senators. Oh, okay. Frank so, Howard. Well, Frank Howard. Nice yeah. Frank Howard reference, which meant two two points about that. One is that was how I bonded with my dad. We would watch the Redskins game together, watch the Senators game together. The second thing is the Redskins were never very good until, you know, later later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, 
So, and the senators were cellar dwellers. I mean, I'd check the agate page every day. Oh, they're not in last place. And the year that Frank Howard went on a tear and hit 40 home runs, one of the best years of my young life. <laughs> but most of my young years in sports were spent suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of suffering, oh, yeah. I know that well as a uh, lifelong Chicago Cubs fan growing up. And I've you know, I've said this story many times. It's, I, it's funny how what, what happens when you're young shapes you moving forward. And I said, I became a Cubs fan. I was sitting in Iowa. So speaking of Minneapolis, I had that about equidistant from Chicago, from Kansas City. So I had some choices there. Right. But the reason I gravitated to the Chicago Cubs was WGN. Sure. Right? WGN was starting. Cable TV was big. So I'd get home from school. And in the afternoon, I'd turn the TV. And what yeah. was on? Games. Right. And a lot of games, yep. which was unusual back in that day when you used to have one game a week. Because you're a big live sports guy at off time. At off time. So yeah. that's where that started, right? I'm sitting at home at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. This is, or 3 o'clock, whenever I got home from school back then. This is unbelievable. I got a game. And guess what? There's another game tomorrow, and I get a third game on Thursday. <laughs> wow. So, so I was all in on the Chicago Cubs from that reason. In fact, to this day, I have only been to Wrigley Field four times in my life, one of which was just this past spring for spring yeah. break we went out. So big Chicago Cubs fan. And then on the football side, for no reason other than I loved the helmet, and it was different, the Houston Oilers oh, you told me were my past. team really? growing up. And, wow. And so devastating when that franchise yeah. went away. I have not been able to hook back on to an NFL team. I, I couldn't gravitate to the Tennessee Titans. When the Houston Texans came in, that didn't fit either. So I was a Houston Oilers fan, Phillips. and that's gone away. Bum Phillips, Billy White, Earl Shoes Campbell. Johnson, Dan Pastorini. Uh, Dan Moon. Pastorini. Did he have an arm or not? Earl Campbell was, was unbelievable. Yeah, he was. Yeah, so Houston Couldn't Oilers past the Steelers. Yeah. Or the Bills. Um, or the Bills, oh, the Bills. one of the largest yeah. losses ever. Yeah. yeah. So mine were, he asked, I'm curious to learn about your college professional teams. Mine were... The Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Sabres, and the Buffalo Braves. It broke my heart when the Buffalo Braves left Buffalo and Phyllis George's husband, who used to be on CBS, John Y. Brown, who's the former governor oh, yeah. of Kentucky, took him to San Diego. Broke my heart that the Braves left. Sabres loved him, French Connection. Uh, Rennie Robert, Gilbert Perot, and Rick Martin grew up. That's how I got into doing what I'm doing because I would go to bed listening to the Buffalo Braves and the Buffalo Sabres. And the Buffalo Sabres play-by-play announcer lived in my hometown. His son's one year younger than me, and so that kind of just it fed that fed the vibe. Colleges were not big in western New York. Like I went to Syracuse, but that didn't they that weren't they weren't even a blip on the radar even though it's 3 hours away from where I'm from. They weren't even a blip. That's not like West Virginia yeah. where you go 3 hours you're still a Mountaineer fan because Syracuse is a private school and they don't have alums you know, it's a, it's, that's God, a I, would, I would assume you did this. I can vividly remember myself sitting in my red beanbag chair, right? Houston, a little yeah. secondary color for the Oilers yeah, there, yeah, Hoppy. Yeah. Sitting in a red beanbag chair, wearing a Houston Oiler replica helmet, which, by the way, shout out to my parents. <laughs> how in the heck did you find a Houston Oiler Impossible. replica helmet back in the day? Impossible. Back in the old school. How, just, how, probably just got, I don't know. Probably just, Amazon, probably just got it on Amazon. Yeah, just ordered it yeah, up yeah, online, right. delivered yeah. to the door. And with an old school giant tape recorder <laughs> oh. doing, doing the game. I was doing you would do the, the game. I would do the games. Can I tell I would you? do the games. You remember what I'm talking about. Those oh, big, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big walls. Like and close the top and hit. Big old took a whole finger to press down on oh. play and record at the same time. Right, you need oh, two yeah. fingers. Go here we go. Dan Pastorini back. Oh, I love it. Be great to have those tapes now, wouldn't it? Let me tell you, if I may, two other stories about growing up since we're 
is one was um, also I would uh, college foot college basketball. I grew up a big fan of the ACC because I grew up in the Eastern Panhandle. We got DC area uh, television, so we watched the ACC. I mean, and, and I think a glory days of the ACC: sure. North Carolina against North Carolina State, Maryland, Duke, Le- the left-hander, lefty the, yeah, the lefty Drizel, Dean Smith, and and really some good classic basketball. David you know, Thompson, David at NC Thompson, State, right? yeah. So all that stuff. That and then in football. I'm old enough to remember the first Super Bowl, which wasn't the Super Bowl. Wow, yeah. 1967. Green And, and it, since I followed the Redskins, I also had to follow a team that won. So I was a Green Bay, like all kids, I was a Green Bay Packer fan, right? <laughs> Bart Starr and all those guys. And so the, it's going to be the Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And I'm excited, right? Nobody else is. Nobody even, the, the place <laughs> wasn't even sold out, right? And so I, I'm going to watch this game. So I'm sitting there like a Sunday, I'm ready to watch the game. And... People come to visit. Uh-oh. Uninvited come to visit. Ooh, uninvited. You threw that in there. Uninvited. Yeah. Uninvited. Come to visit. They could, well, have, they could have texted and said they were coming uh, over. <laughs> and of course, you have one TV and one living room. Oh. And my mother says, turn the TV off. Oh. <laughs> but, 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 turn the TV off. We have company. Because it, it would be rude to It'd have the rude. TV on while there was company there, of course. Yeah, that's true. That's like one TV time. Yeah. You didn't have 75 TVs. 75 TVs, 37 screens. You could watch it like, right? Oh, boy. Uh, next texter, what's the, Tony, what's the dream game you'd want to call? What venue? What opponent? Uh, obviously, national championship in both football and basketball. What opponent would I like to win a national championship against? Oh, nice. Um, if West Virginia were to play a football national championship, um, uh, Ohio State would be good. Alabama? I, 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 How about I, a Penn State? That would be what if yes, you got? What yes. if you got a chance to get yeah, Penn State? One. You clip them off and win the Natty by going through them. Notre Dame, in give an Al Pacino on the way yeah. out. <laughs> give him an Al Pacino. How about yeah. Notre Dame? That'd be fine. Notre that'd Dame, yeah, that'd be fine. And basketball, uh, Duke, yeah. get them back for 2010. Sure. Yeah. You know, one of my great hopes when they kind of rel- when they when they went to the the rotating national championships, there are bowls. Uh, there was a time, remember that year when, when West Virginia, it was, it was a small chance, but the Rose Bowl was in play. Remember yeah, that? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I literally said in my head at that time, I tell you what, if West Virginia gets in the Rose Bowl and plays in a Rose Bowl and happens to win it, I might walk. That might be the end of my athletic career. I might just say, you know what, here's the Rose Bowl, that painted How field. How did that, that come time. up? I don't that remember just, that. Well, it was the, it was the, you were open in terms of teams could bop around. It might have been the TCU year. Remember when TCU went there? When when there was yeah. there was an option when it was the the Big Ten champion yeah, would yeah, go to the Rose yeah, there was a yeah, chance yes, where the yes. Rose Bowl was open to people you've had non Pac twelve and Big twelve in there for a couple of different TCU years. Wisconsin right yeah that was one you, you can go back and look there's some times when the a Big Ten yeah. opponent hasn't been in there that would have been yeah. that would have been mine that was TCU right yeah they beat Wisconsin yeah if I yeah. could pick a venue I would love to have been a part of a Rose Bowl game uh, Justin 2011 2011 the uh, you said. Uh, TCU whiskey, TCU whiskey, twenty one nineteen TCU. Great game, Andy Dalton. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Justin in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, serious chocolate. Hey guys, a few calls from the Sugar Bowl were circulating on Twitter this week. What's the most intimidating atmosphere West Virginia has ever faced in terms of venue and strength of opponent? In football, LSU. LSU's way up there that year. Boy, West Virginia it doesn't have to be, it can be it's all times. So it doesn't have to be that year. Yeah. You can be at Penn State. 
It's tough football. You know, you know what? LSU I think you're, parading around that tiger though. That's 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 <laughs> no. You don't get a lot of those. I'll give you one. You, right? Yeah, yeah, live tiger there, yeah, Kurt live tiger. You know what location I always felt was just off the chart loud and big. Virginia Tech. Mm, it was. Yeah. Yes. I thought they they really had a yep. crank in there. Well, and then once they added that new deck. That was basically straight vertical. It was like scaling <laughs> was. the side of a mountain. We well, go up, up the rope. You, you get your tickets and you get a rope, and they, they guide you up there. So the Grant Wiley jumping over the line year. Yes, I had some sponsors with me that we went down to that trip. They weren't necessarily thrilled that those were our seats, Kurt. But we're all the way in the top, right? <laughs> Honest to God, when the game ended, this isn't even a joke. There was for about a second before we started exiting down. I thought. Am I going to have to pull like a, a a toddler here and go down on my butt? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it yeah. Felt, right? It felt like you're like I'm leaning oh. forward. I'm gonna a terrible Mar- stadium. Maryland's like Maryland's that. horrific. Yeah, Maryland's like that. I I would love to see a study. Virginia Tech feels higher. I mean, I, I worked at Maryland. I spent some time in that upper deck as well. I've, Virginia Tech to me felt like it was more straight up. Needed like rappelling equipment to get up and down there. I did not have a chance to edit the phone. design. <laughs> They're just trying to jam it in there, trying to save oh, money. Yeah. Fine, go back. Don't go up. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, pull it back. Right. Um, Gerald in Beckley gave us a voice message. I didn't have a chance to edit the calls. I'm just going to read the transcript. So okay. I'll get the general gist of it. Who's I'm, this? Gerald in Beckley? Yeah. Is it the guy with the goat? We like Gerald. We like Gerald a lot. Yeah. Yeah. If it's the same. Well, let's well, well, a goat or goats. Well, he was a Powell Mountain Goat guy. Oh, okay. He, yeah, then he, we know Joe. Yeah, I think he's a, he, he was basically the coroner that ruled it officially dead, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious with all that's going on with the corona, if there's been discussion on how budgets are going to be and look in the athletic department, the impact on the spring sports. I know that there, those aren't money-making sports yet. I'm curious how this has impacted us. So basically he's talking about, and he does allude to what I think you're going to get into here, and that's Iowa State. We had Shane Lyons on last, last night, night, last Wednesday night, last night, and I asked him. I said, "What if you don't play football financially? What's it do?" And he used one word: catastrophic. Yeah, right, catastrophic. Let's talk a little bit about creativity that schools are now starting to look at. And Iowa State's Jamie Pollard, its athletic director, is doing this. So here's what's fascinating: if you love the money part of this and you love the numbers, schools, ads, presidents are going to have to look at things. They're going to lose revenue. It's just a matter of where that lost revenue comes from. Is TV going to try and claw some of it back? Are you going to lose some ticket sales? Are you going to lose some advertising dollars? Are you going to lose some donations? And maybe a little bit of all of that. So what you're trying to do now, you've recognized and acknowledged, we're going to lose some money here. We're going to be down. We've got to try and find ways to save. That's not easy for these departments who tend to spend everything that is coming in. So this is a real challenge. Jamie Pollard, who's the athletic director at Iowa State, has spent time at Maryland and the University of Wisconsin prior to becoming the longtime AD at Iowa State, has gotten very creative with this. And he announced yesterday and continues on today into Thursday a savings over the next year. They've implemented this plan going forward for the next year, regardless of when things get back to normal. But they have reduced salaries for their head coaches and some of their top administrators by 10%, and they've eliminated, eliminated all performance bonuses for those coaches over the next year as well. He's saying that's going to save their department an estimated $4 million 
over the next year. So there's a way that Iowa State is at least looking at this and saying, okay, we're going to be down in some areas. Here's $4 million in savings we just were able to, to find and put forth. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And if nobody likes to give up salary, but what are the coaches going to say? They can't say anything, maybe privately, but publicly they can't say anything. Uh, I had Shane Lyons on my public affairs program today. You guys had him on Sportsline last night. But uh, same kind of thing he was talking about. But also think about this. This is also a time of year, and it's going to be going forward, where you're raising money, mm-hmm. right? People are contributing. They're buying season tickets. Tony, you're hosting events where people are coming out. You can't ask people for money now. Absolutely no. cannot. I mean, the, 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 in, in March in West Virginia, over 90,000 people filed for unemployment. Normally in a month, three to 5,000 do. The, the number of people filing for unemployment in West Virginia March, 16 times higher than it normally is. So what are you going to do? You can't ask people for money. You, you can't. And in fact, I asked Shane about that last night about what the, what was the plan moving forward? You know, they're in discussions and some of these things you can't put forth because you just don't know where it's going to land. But WVU, along with other institutions, they're going to have to come up with ways to allow people to be creative in how they give you their money. Is that going to be spread out over more months? West Virginia has instituted that before where they had three months to pay your donation and tickets. You might have to broaden that out. Yep. You might have to extend that because you're exactly right, Hoppy. This is one of those things when you're looking at buying your season tickets, if you've been laid off, if you're you're going to have to protect your money as an individual family here just to get through the next or, few months. Or if you have money, but you've laid people off, can you, in good conscience, then make your usual donation? Yeah, it's going to change the dynamics so, I mean, and the those economics, are the, no a doubt. Lot of, a lot of the money people who have, you know, they're, they're not super wealthy, but they have enough to donate. But the, if they've had to lay people off, they'll have trouble then, you know, justifying a donation. Here's, a, you know, I, I, interesting to see what, what Pollard is doing. And people are going to be inventive and creative because you can't, and I asked Shane Lines about this, if you got to hire a coach, you know, give me that file. If you got to lay off a coach, give me that file. Okay, you got a report of a violation, give me that file. You've done all that before. Mm-hmm. This is all, you got to figure new stuff out. So you got to do it on your own and then see what other people are doing and figure out a way forward more of your questions i've got some good ones here on football rivalry and series that we want to continue as everyone knows working from home now has become what people are doing that means you need to have a great network behind you so if you can Keep this in mind. Folks at Comax Business Systems offer businesses managed IT services and managed voice services, and so it allows you to have that connectivity that you need from the office to your home. Comax's 24-7 remote monitoring gives you the peace of mind you need, and they've always got your networks back. Recently named an elite dealer for the eighth time, the only dealer in West Virginia that's ever received that award from ENX Magazine, so reach out to them for managing your IT and managing your voice, take the worry out of your networking system for your business. Go to comaxwv.com. Shane Lyons from a texter recently said he'd love to see the Pitt basketball series continue and also expects it too. Which of the upcoming football rivalry series are you most looking forward to between Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Maryland? And the bonus part of that is realistic one-on-one series, which would you like to see that is not currently scheduled? So, Hoppy, among Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Maryland, which one can't you wait to play? Virginia Tech. All right. Senator? Probably Virginia Tech, although although Penn State's coming up too, right? Isn't that one that's mm-hmm. that's happening? Down the horizon. That that one kind of intrigues me. But Virginia Tech probably just because of the, the recent, I, 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 the recent I thought, rivalry. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that this is antithetical to many, many Mountaineer fans. To me, in the latter years, Virginia Tech was a was a bigger, better rival. 
Like they'd say that word again. Anti. Antithetical. In other words, people just like, are you, that's, that's counter to what, what it must be correct. You could stick an antithetical in a day. That's a good day. Isn't that a good day? When you I can hope say I used this? it right. Let me double check. No, I'm sure you did. Uh, you, you probably you probably used it. Um, let's see here. Um, bum, 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 bum. Next text question says, well, that was the uh, skip, by the way, had that Clay Marsh question on uh, what was his worst sport. That's a good answer, running. <laughs> yeah, running. Um, directly, op- directly opposed or mutually incompatible. So that I did use it. Pretty close well, to correctly. I'm not surprised by that at I'm all. Not sure there was any doubt. Yeah. Uh, no uh, Je- Jennings and Chez <laughs> text in. Hi, three guys. With everyone trapped in their homes for the foreseeable future, I've been asking my friends on social media what are their top five movies of all time. My question to you is: What are your top five sports movies, documentaries? Thanks and stay safe. All right, I don't need five, but give me uh, give me three of your all time favorite sports movie docs. Documentaries or sports movies? Yeah, yeah. do all because I don't know about even. I don't know. I don't dogs. know if I can get you five. Obviously. I'll give you two. Go ahead. I'll give you my top two sports movies. Mentioned at the on the last podcast, Field of Dreams, way up the list for me. That's number one. Bull Durham, one of my all time favorites. Bull Durham. So not documentaries, but just sports movies. Those are my two all time favorite. Okay. Oh gosh, I'm trying to run through my mind. Does, Bull, does Bull, all, all the right I'll, moves count sure. as a sports movie? Sure. I think this. A West so Virginia reference I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them here. So let me just kind of give you uh, Hoosiers. Obviously, um, I, I think that Blue Chips with Nick Nolte mm-hmm. has a lot of reality to it. I mean, some really re- great reality. I think you got to include at least the first Rocky. I mean, the first great Rocky one. has got to be in yeah, there. Yeah. I think that um, Miracle uh, would certainly be on there. Also good. Um. How I'll about go, uh, go ahead? Friday Night Lights. Sure, absolutely. That was a great book. I Money, read that book before. That was a great Moneyball. 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 See, I read the book there. I did not watch the uh, the movie. You watched the movie. Yeah, great movie. Love it. There's a, a couple great classic scenes there. Uh, the Blind Side. Bad News Bears. Oh, I got Some another one there. for my fifth one. Bad News Bears. I got another one for my fifth one. <laughs> Hot Rod. I go, bring, <laughs> well, bring, if we're going yeah. documentaries, yeah, that's yeah, a no-brainer. Just, yeah, bring it home. Yeah, League of Their Own. League of, yeah, there's a lot of, there's there's some really good. Oh, good. there's one, we're leaving out one. Leaving out one. Son of a good, wait a minute, where is it? Rocky's in there. Rudy. Rudy. Oh, you got to have Rudy in there. Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah, there's a great, that's good. That's good. I'm going, my number one though, my one and two, Bull Durham <laughs> and Moneyball. Those are my top two. And Shawshank Redemption. All right, so... <laughs> and Apocalypse Now. Matt from Gilbert. You ready? Out of curiosity, if there were two Mountaineer basketball teams that you could put on the floor and have them go at each other for 40 minutes, which two teams would you choose, why, and who would win? So, obviously, the great question always is, 2010... Uh-huh. I'll give it to you. Let's go 2010 Mountaineer team and against the Jerry West National yep, Championship that's what I would have said. That would be – now, here's the whole reason why it's totally, right, just for thought, because the physical development of players is just such a difference from 1960, 59, 60 to 2010. What if Jerry West and that gang had all of the resources that that group did – Food, lifting, and what you know now. 
but it would be a hell of a battle. It'd be a hell of a battle. That'd be fun. And that's a great one just because of the, the between the eras right there, just totally different style of play. You're right on the body size. No three-point line back in the day, right? Are you playing that, that game with a three-point line? That's in play? Sure. That changes how the guys play. Would Jerry West be uh, pretty good from the three-point, the college three-point line now? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go 59 Mountaineers and 42 Mountaineers. Oh, Scotty Hamilton, 42 Mountaineers. National Championship Mountaineers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, I just want to see them play. So here's I just the, want to see him on the court. I just want to see. He also asks about football. So obviously, 88 yeah. is the standard bearer. And this may upset someone, but I don't play him against the 93 team that went undefeated. And the 93 team was the greatest blue-collar team that overachieved. You got to play one of the Pat White teams. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yes. was going to give you a different one, but okay. Yeah. I mean, you got to play. Yeah. Maybe you play the Pat White Fiesta Bowl the, the team. Slayton. The Slayton team yeah. against the 88 team. That, that would, would be, be good. dandy. That's excellent. I would have also submitted, and we talk about this team a lot for not being uh, among the nation's elite. I still say talent-wise, they were right there. Put 98 up there. Yes. Yeah. Right? Put that 98 team with Thornton and Zaraway and Bolger and Becht. I mean, you, yeah. you go down that list, right? We always say, had they not opened with number one Ohio State, what's that team look like? It was, was Whitmore on that That team? was a talented team. 88. No, no, the 98. The 90, the 98. When was Whitmore? Daryl Whitmore? Yeah. 88. 88. Yeah, not the 98. Broke his leg. I'm losing decades. Was Thunder decade. Thornton. Did I, did I yeah, include Thornton, Thornton in that list? Thunder. I mean, my kids were little. My kids were little back then. And they didn't, you know, they're still talked like little kids. So they would say Thunder Thornton. That's, <laughs> that's how they would refer to him. Um, all right. Rounding out here now. Hey, it's West Virginia stats guy in Columbus. What is your all time favorite statistic? About WVU athletics. Do you mean a statistic that's a positive one? And whatever you want, you want it to cite, be. What's your all-time or, favorite or stat about WVU? You happen to like a batting average for some reason. <laughs> I mean, what do you? Three sixty-two. What a batting average! I've got. I'll, I'll start you off. Got two parts to this. Oh, Here are two stats that I love about WVU athletics. One of the reasons why. WVU is now in a Power Five world is because of the success that it had for a sustained period of time to build its brand. Those steps were the result of an incredible amount of consistency and continuity within the athletic department for a long period of time. So here's the stat. Ooh, this is a good, good call. Yeah, this yeah. is a good one. West Virginia was the only school in the country in Division One that had the same head football and basketball coach in the decade of the 80s and the 90s. So that's Coach Catlett and Coach Nealon were in their positions from 80 into the 2000s. That, to me, stability was the bedrock foundation to allow everything that's happened since they've departed. That's one. My other stat that I really, really love. You better bring a good one because you could stop right there and rest. That's an excellent one. But here, here's my thing. Um, I, also, I also say this. Uh, it's, it's a two-part thing. West Virginia University is in the top 25 in wins in both football and basketball. To me, and I've said this before, that is the greatest return on investment among all other colleges in the country based upon West Virginia's small population of 1.8 million people. To be able to be in the top 25 
in both of those categories, major college football, basketball, and not have a feeder system right in your face of of personnel is the most is the best accomplishment in my view, and a great great job that coaches have done. Tony, I'm going to take that and 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 build on it to say, and I don't have the stat in front of me, but to take what you said and add in there across the board at WVU. Because, again, a small state, not a wealthy state, to have success in the two major sports you talked about and have the kind of success they've had in other sports, like women's soccer, look where WVU mm-hmm. uh, baseball is now. Uh, men's soccer got to the tournament this year. What am I leaving out? Um, across the board, you've had great success. Yeah, yeah the rifle team. Uh, women's basketball has had success. So I, I think that you, lots of times you'll see a school that's like West Virginia in many ways, and they'll say they'll be really good in this sport, and the other sport, they're just not any good at all. Wrestling has come back. So the across-the-board success of multiple sports at a school in a small state. Did you come with anything I, yet? I, no, I'm ceding my time to you. You, you were great. I, I mean, I'm not going to top that. You like those two? I'm not going to top that. Those are two excellent choices. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a really good question. Uh, lastly, a texter says, hey, guys, hey, three guys, this is, uh, doesn't even say who he is. So, unknown. Hello! <laughs> Just calling to see, oh, this was a voicemail, that's why. If you guys have watched the new HBO special called The Scheme with Christian Dawkins, it's fascinating. Look into college sports, specifically college basketball and how money is related. A lot of adult language, but it's a very fascinating look, and I was wondering if you've all been able to check that out. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the show. Um, I haven't. I absolutely have it. I will in the next two days. Uh, hopefully tonight. Uh, but I. So that's Hoppy. That's the federal investigation that led to the uh, arrests of ultimately Rick Pitino's firing, assistant coaches being punished, some going to jail. That is out. And there's new. <laughs> what makes it giggly is that the uh, phone calls that are on the dock have not had had not been out there they were released the transcripts and, of those had yeah. been out but you had not heard the voices yeah. on there so basically you have more empirical information and evidence just absolutely showing that LSU and Will Wade you just look at it and go there's absolutely no way the dude should be coaching anymore and yet he is that's just the absolute head spinner i've been incredulous about that since it came out then you hear that hear what was said I, I don't know. I'll say it again. If nothing happens, him in particular, and some of these other programs, then Katie bar the door. Then just start cheating. Everybody just start loading up bags of money and taking them because this is it is clear that's what went on. If, they, if there's no punishment coming, no violations coming, I think that that's what changes college basketball because I think it opens it up even more. Clearly, this is going on and has been going on. If there now schools instead of schools saying, "Hey, we got a little problem here with our coach. We're going to go in and we'll fix this." Now schools like LSU, not nah, nothing to see here. Nah, nothing to see here. We're good. He's our coach. They Keep came going. out with a statement. They said, "Yeah, we're aware of it." <laughs> In his case, the LSU case is even more shocking, I guess, because he was removed. The AD did say, "Okay, you're sitting down. You don't want to cooperate with an internal investigation, coach. You're sitting down." People go bananas. The AD gets pushed out, and the coach is back in. In one how of the, is that, how is that still happening? In one of the phone calls, and again, now you can hear the calls. Wade jokes that for a player he's scouting, we could compensate him better than the NBA rookie minimum, and laments a blank, strong ass offer to another player, which was too tilted toward the family. Here's here's the take, though. Either you can watch that documentary 
and then want to take a shower and not be able to watch college basketball again, or you can ignore it and go back to enjoying college basketball. I think it's very difficult, frankly, to do both. Man, that's the fabric of the game. It always well, but has how can, but if, when it you know that, When been. you know that, how could you watch? I mean, let's say it comes on and LSU is playing in a big game. Could you watch LSU in good conscience and then say, wow, that's a, he's a, they got a good player. He's pretty good. And no, here's the, here are the no, announcers. And here the announcers not, not address that, yeah. but to say, you know, they landed this kid out of so-and-so and he's having a great game. How Hoppy, could you they, do it? They, there are, when you, there are people that watch college basketball, that adds to their intrigue of following the game. So, in other words, LSU's playing. So, whoever LSU is playing, a casual fan, they cheer for the other team because they know that LSU is just out there buying them. They get a greater sense of satisfaction when LSU gets beat, and they say, you know, good cheating blank. Don't you agree? Yeah. Yes. People love I, that. They go like, good. You. Yeah. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a moralist here in terms of, uh, I mean, I think you're on my page. I, I'm fine if players get paid. I'm, I'm absolutely fine if that's the direction this goes in some form that you that you guys get money, right? But if you're out there trying to do the right thing and not pay guys, and you're going up against this crap, that would make my head explode on that level. I'm trying to win the same national sure. championship they oh, are, yeah. and this is two different leagues that are going on here. Here's what this is going to happen, though. Because of the virus and because of the chaos that the NCAA has been dealt here, and they're trying to spin 50 new different plates, right? That will delay all of these investigations. They had significant. I mean, Kansas is under investigation, right? They're they're in that process of hey, I I'm sending my appeal back, yes. and then you're going to come back. I'm, obviously, that's all going to be delayed now, and those guys just keep on keeping on. It'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. All right. Well, I hope that uh, helped you out there. I thought Clay Marsh was uh, superb. Excellent. And uh, words do that. Words that we need to continue to live by. Obviously, everything remains extremely fluid. Hoppy, yes, will be on. Oh, jeez! After he gets his head off the mic, Hoppy will be on with his show. Doing a Saturday again? Yes, sir. Monday through Saturday, talk line ten oh six on many of these same ears. Uh, thanks for listening. It's like baseball. We're there every day. Every day, yeah. Remember yeah. the baseball schedule? Part of the deal. That's exactly part of the deal. Remember so, baseball? That well, was a wonderful game. You ever wonder why baseball players scratch themselves? Um, again, thanks to Clay Marsh, our producer engineer, <laughs> just Daniel Because they Woods. can. Just took a turn. <laughs> Today's program brought to us by Comax Business Systems, full service Konica Minolta dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. Burdett Camping Center, only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at BurdettCamping.com. We will be back on Monday with a little something-something. As we say... Fluid in regards to our schedule, but we'll get you someone. Good. No, we're here. I'm. Well, we're going to be here. I'm we're just saying, here. as far as guest goes, I'm saying as far as guest goes. I got. I got an idea. I got a couple of ideas. I got some numbers. Got some. Got some numbers. We'll. We'll work in. You know what? Hey, let get, me do this. Get, let me do un, Get Undra. Excuse me. Get Undra Johnson. Well, with this financial thing going on, he's out of the way. That's a good point. That's a, I he's probably, that. he's Tony, why do you want to talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, if you'd like to, uh, if you've got suggestions for guests. 304-404-4083 is our text number. 304-404-4083. If you're still listening right now, you're the most passionate people, so just give us a text. 304-404-4083. Love to hear what you got. All right, we're out. Thanks for being with us. Stay safe. And again, be very, very conscious. Be very, very careful. Wash your hands. Don't spread it. See you. See you.